But Proverbs 11.30, it says, he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. I, I, I was raised in the church. Uh, my mom would drop me off. She, she knew enough to get me to church, and so she would drop me off. And there, there was a woman in my church who just took me under her wing, and she instilled the word of God in me, and she, she, she made sure that every time the church doors were open that I was there. She would take me to church camp in the summer. She would make sure that I was involved in everything there was to be involved in. Our church had a radio program. She made sure I got on the radio. She, she just took me under her wing, and, but she taught me the importance of winning souls. <laughs> In fact, she would make me go door to door with the elders of our church and tell people about Jesus, and in my mind, that was what winning souls was all about. She instilled in me, even as a little girl, the importance for winning souls for Jesus, and so in my mind, winning souls was always equated with, with teaching people how to be born again with sharing the gospel with them so that they could get born again. But I want you to know that that scripture, he who wins souls is wise. When I looked at it this week, I, I, I didn't see it the way I saw it growing up. You see, uh, we think of that scripture as, 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 as uh, sharing the gospel and getting people born again. But I, I, I don't agree with that any longer. He who wins souls is wise. I asked Leslie to give you each one of these, uh, these handouts, and I know that we have gone over this before. But Paul says, I know you already know this, but I'm going to remind you again. Dave said something a few weeks ago in church. He says, tell them, what was it, honey? Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, and then tell them again. So I, I, that's how, that's what the gospel's all about. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them again. Because here's what I'm learning, is it doesn't matter. I, I, I will always say to Leslie or to Dave, I, I don't want to teach that because I've taught it before. And, and here's what I'm realizing, is I'm teaching it, and I'm not getting it. I, I'm teaching it. I know it inside, outside, and backwards, and yet it's still difficult to apply some things to my life, to have it in the forefront of my mind all the time so that it's my natural go-to. And if it's hard for me to do that... How much more is it going to be for you? And so I've just decided I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to tell you again, and then I'm going to tell you one more time. I know you already know this, but I'm going to remind you of it anyway until we begin to truly live it out in our lives. And so I'm going to start a series tonight, and we're going to revisit some things that we've already talked about. We're going to get some new things, but we're also going to revisit some old things because I've realized the importance of some of the things I've been teaching and I've been seeing in my counseling sessions with people, in my relationships with people, that they haven't gotten it yet. And if they haven't gotten it yet, we need to revisit. I'm going to tell it and then tell it again and then tell it again until we get it. I'm going to remind them even though they already know it. And I'm going to do the same for myself. And so I know that we've already talked about this, but, but, but we are a three-part being. Some of you are going to disagree with me. You're going to say, no, we have two parts. But Scripture says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't Rhea's words. This is God's word. And God's word says that we are spirit, soul, and body. 
Now, we are created in God's likeness and in his image. God is a three-part being. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? We are created in his image and in his likeness. Why would it not make sense that we are a three-part being? Body, soul, and spirit. Do you see it? So we've talked about this numerous times, that, that we are a spirit. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. If I'm created in his likeness and in his image, what must I be? A spirit. So I believe that I am a spirit, that I live in a body, and I possess a soul. That's what I believe. We've talked about this numerous times. This is what happens when someone gets born again or born from above. We, we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We invite him into the throne of our life, into our heart, if you will. <laughs> and we get born again. We get born from above. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. The Bible says we're sealed for the day of redemption. And then we go home and we still are the same nasty person the next morning when we wake up. We still have the same evil thoughts. We still talk back. We still talk smack to people. We still say things we shouldn't say. We still do things we shouldn't do. How does that work if I'm a new creation? And it's because my spirit man is born again. And it's sealed for the day of redemption. Nobody can snatch him out of my hands. I'm sealed for the day of redemption. But that's just my spirit man. This says God. I, I would have changed that to be the Holy Spirit, but I couldn't do it. But, uh, but just pretend that says the Holy Spirit or cross it out. Dave says it is God. I, I understand that. But it's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me. So uh, spirit, that's what my spirit man has been made new. I live in a body. I have to have a body because I, I, want, I want you to be able to communicate with me, to see me, to see who you're talking to. So you get this big old body in front of you so that you can see me, but I'm a spirit man. And that's why this body's decaying. Trust me. <laughs> I hate it. It's decaying, and I can't stop the decaying process. And someday it'll decay so much that I'll go to a grave, and, and my spirit will be taken to heaven. Do you see how that works? So this body is just serving me right now. It's just carrying me where I need to go. It's carrying my spirit man where I need to go. But I have a soul as well. I possess a soul. This is what has not been made new. This is what, when I came to Christ, my spirit man was made new. I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. <laughs> but I don't act like it because my soul has not been made new. You can see here that the soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your passions, your desires all fall into that as well. And so this is why the Bible tells us that we are transformed, not when we come to Christ, but we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's purposeful. That there's a, you see a transformation in me, not necessarily, although it happens when I come to Christ. When I came to Christ, you could see a difference in me, but I still had some ugly behaviors. And that's because that part of my life, my mind, my will, my emotions need to be transformed by renewing my mind with truth, with the truth of the word of God, with the truth of who I am in Christ. Are you following me? And we've talked about this many, many times. So when this scripture says, he who wins souls 
is wise, do you think it's about winning people to Christ? In fact, right before that scripture, Proverbs 11 talks about righteous living. And then it says, he who wins souls is wise. If you look up the word soul in the Hebrew, it, 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 it means just exactly what, what I said to you. It means your mind, your will, your emotions. It means the appetites, our desires, our passions. But it also is the faculty of our thinking. The faculty of our thinking. So he who wins souls is wise. I won your body here tonight because you're sitting here in front of me. I won your body. You chose to come here. Christ won your spirit when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, okay? But he who wins souls is wise. It is my goal to win your soul. That word win, it means to snatch, to fetch, to lay hold of, to to procure, to, to get possession of, to capture, to seize, to take a hold of oneself. It is my goal to capture your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions with the word of God in such a way that it lays hold on you and it snatches you out of rotten thinking, terrible behavior, emotions that want to rule your life, and it wins you over for the word of God, to the word of God so that you can take hold of yourself. He who wins souls is wise. And so that's what we're going to focus on for the next couple weeks. That's my target, to win your soul, to capture it, to to help you get possession of it. Because I've been been dealing so much lately with myself and with other Christians who who are Christians and who can confess scripture (laughs) who can quote scripture inside, outside, and backwards, but that scripture is not transforming their life. Do you know what's transforming their life? Their emotions. But they're thinking in bed at night. What they're perceiving somebody's thinking about them or feeling about them or uh, the fact that they're rejected instead of accepted or the fact that I hurt their feelings or, or that they're offended. Or, and it's, it is living that is not wise and it's keeping you from the abundant life that Christ had because what's happening is we're allowing our emotions to drive our life instead of the spirit man in us uh, renewing our mind in the word of God and allowing the spirit to, to, to rule our life. The Bible says that the mind controlled by the spirit is what? Life. But the mind controlled by the flesh is death. Is there any wonder we are not experiencing the abundant life that Christ died for us to have? Yes, we're born again. Yes, we're going to heaven, but we are living so far below the abundant life that Christ died for us to have because we're not winning our souls. We're letting them go wild. We're letting them run wild. Tonight, my my daughter-in-law sent me, uh, uh, my my son is working late, and so she has the children uh, while she's working full-time, and and she's getting them dinner and bathing to bed, and I'm telling you, she sent me a video, and they were running wild. They were just running wild. They needed their daddy to put his foot down, but he wasn't there. And that's what we do to our souls. 
We let them run wild. We let them rule the roost. We let them do whatever they, we, we let our emotions do whatever they want and dictate to us how we feel instead of letting the word of God dictate to us how we should be acting and feeling. And so that's what we're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about. We're going to pick back up. I, I, I know that I spoke to you at the end of, of Bible study when we, when we stopped meeting in May. I was teaching about demonic influences. I was teaching you about spiritual warfare. We're going to pick up on that again, and we're going to revisit that subject and go a little deeper this time. Next week, I believe we're going to, we're going to talk some more about, us, about rejection and how we allow rejection, feelings of, of, of rejected, rejection to rule our life and to, to make us... I'll give you a, a, just a, a fun illustration I was at a wedding, Dave and I did a wedding this weekend, and, and I was at rehearsal, and, and there was this sweet little old lady sitting on the front row, and I went up to talk to her, and she had seen me the night before, this was at the wedding, and she had seen me the night before at rehearsal, and she said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yes, you may. And she said, why do you wear your hair like that? <laughs> and for a moment, <laughs> I thought, I could be offended. And then I just saw how sweet she was, and, and I said, oh, can I tell you? God did not create me to be a copy. He made me an original. He did not create me to blend in. He created me to stand out. And I said, and I just refuse to blend in with everybody else. And, and I said, you know, I, I think that that's women's biggest problem is they just want to blend in. They, they want to be like everybody else. I said, darling, I have no interest in being like everybody else because God created me an original. And I thought to myself, I could have been offended by that. Why do you wear your hair like that? <laughs> so we're going to talk next week <laughs> about how we let stuff like that just eat us alive and, and, and dictate to us whether we're happy or sad or offended or, and the importance of really understanding the spirit working behind those things. And so we're going to revisit that. But tonight, I want to pick up, on Friday mornings, we are studying the book of Luke. And uh, this week, we were studying about the, the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary. You know, y'all know that story in Luke, uh, the, the first chapter of Luke, somewhere like verses 26 on. Uh, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. And, and, and we were talking, and I was saying to them, I want you to specifically look at this verse, because the week before, we had studied about the same angel, the angel Gabriel appearing to Zacharias. And the Bible says that the angel Gabriel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias. But this week when we were studying, the Bible says that the angel came into the room where Mary was at and uh, came into where Mary was. Are you with me? And so I said, did anybody look up the word come into? And I, I was really trying to drive a point home. I wanted them to see in one place an angel suddenly appeared supernaturally, ghost-like, 
Now, in this place, he walked into a room. He, he entered into the room. And I was just trying to draw a point that they could see that there were two manifestations of the same angel. One was, was a, was a ghost-like. The other was, was an actual man entering a room. And I was trying to drive that point home. And one of the ladies in the study raised her hand, and she said, Rhea, I'm going to need some clarification about that uh, that." Greek word, that Greek definition. Try to follow me because it's good. And, and I said, so she said, I, I'm reading down through the Greek definition and it means to enter in, to come into. Uh, and, and she said, but Rhea, one of the definitions for that word is of thoughts that come into your mind. She said, can you explain that? And she said, how can it be possible that the angel Gabriel came into a room and it be the same word that's used for thoughts that come into a mind? Are you following me? And I said, well, we have to see where that word was used. And, and, and so I, I began, my mind just kicked into gear. It was so hard for me to stay with the Bible study for the rest of the morning because my mind was on thoughts coming into your mind and entering into your mind because I was already drawing the picture that here was a supernatural angel coming into a room and now we find out that it's the same word to use for thoughts coming into your mind. Oh, I, I, my mind was going, going, going with that one. And, and so I went home and I began to look at all the references for the word come into. And, and it means, you know, you come into a room, you come into the kingdom, it, but it also is often used for demons coming into a person. Thoughts coming into the mind. That reference for thoughts coming into the mind is from Luke 9, and it's where the disciples are disputing. I'll read it to you because I don't want you to miss it, and I know that I'm going deep here, but try to stay with me. It is from Luke chapter 9, and it's where they are talking and arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And the word says, then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. <laughs> At the word dispute is come into. The word dispute is the same word that means of thoughts entering the mind. Are you following me? The word dispute means to reason, to deliberate. It means to, um, to, to argue or dispute. Lord, help me. So the disciples were arguing among themselves as to who would be the greatest. And we know that they were creating a ruckus because in another gospel, the gospel writer says that Jesus, they were walking along the path, and Jesus, hearing them dispute, turned and said, what are you arguing about? In other words, what is causing such a ruckus here? What is wrong with you? And they didn't say anything because they knew that they were wrong to be disputing about who would be the greatest. But the word dispute means to reason. They started to reason among themselves, which of us is going to be the greatest? <laughs> it's that word. Now, if you're following me, supernatural angel comes into a room. Rhea, how is that related to thoughts coming into your mind? The disciples are walking along the road with Jesus, mind you, with Jesus. <laughs> and this thought suddenly appears in their mind that they could be great 
and I wonder who is going to be the greatest among us. And that thought causes a dispute. They start to reason with it. They start to deliberate on it. And it causes them to argue. It causes dissension and division. And oh my goodness, are you following me? Because that's what the enemy of our soul does. He supernaturally brings a thought. We start to reason with it. We start to deliberate about it. We entertain it, and it causes a bunch of garbage in our life. But the Bible says that we need to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to cast that thought down and see the enemy, what he wants is us to deliberate. He wants us to reason with it. He wants to get it in our mind so it gets in our heart. Do you see your brain is compi- comprised of, of two types of, 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 of mind. You have a conscious mind and you have a subconscious mind. Does everybody know that? A conscious mind and a subconscious mind. If I lose you and I, I start onto something and don't finish a thought, somebody bring me back. Because what, what I want you to see is the conscious mind it is the part of our minds that we are fully aware of and that we use to process, to compare, to analyze information. It's the part of our mind that's received by the five senses. It's what I see. It's what I hear, it's, it's what I can touch, etc. But the subconscious mind is below the conscious. It is is the part that we're not fully aware of, but it influences all our actions and all our feelings. <laughs> Researchers say that the subconscious accounts for 90% of our decisions. The subconscious mind is what's referred to as our heart. You know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Murder, theft, adultery, evil things, hatred, jealousy. Where do these things arise from? Jesus says they arise from the heart. The subconscious. I want you to note that the subconscious part of our brain does not analyze or judge what gets deposited. It just receives and stores information download it from the conscious mind. So if our conscious minds are not doing what the word of God tells us to do and and filter out the lies, the the falsehood, the, the bad from the good, it eventually will get deposited into our subconscious mind. And and how that happens is, stay with me, how that happens is the subconscious mind learns by repetition, not by logic. So the more your conscious mind hears something, the more it feeds the the subconscious mind. That's why Jesus said, take heed to what you hear. Because if you hear it long enough, it's going to get downloaded into your subconscious and begin to run your life. That's why scripture memorization and confession is so important. I'm I'm a big advocate of it. You always hear me saying, confess it, speak it out loud, get some scripture and speak it. Because the more you hear it, the more it gets deposited down into your subconscious mind, into your heart that's deceitful above all things and desperately 
wicked. That's why the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Belief comes by hearing. I don't think I believed that I was worthless the first time I was told that. I think it was after it got hammered into me over and over and over and over because faith comes by hearing. And, and, and the first time I heard that I wasn't going to be, I wasn't good enough or, or that I, I wasn't worth, that I, that I was worthless, I don't believe I believed it. It was in my conscience and I was aware of it. I heard it. But after I heard it over and over and over, it got deposited into my subconscious mind. And then everything I did, see, subconsciously I wasn't aware that I felt worthless. I wasn't aware that I didn't feel good enough, but that was the hum, the low hum that ran my whole life. Every action, every behavior in my life stemmed from that subconscious thought that ruled my life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I wasn't aware that I thought I was worthless. I wasn't aware that, that I didn't think I was good enough. It, it was that I had heard it so much that it just got downloaded into my heart. And then from that belief, faith comes by hearing. Belief comes from hearing. It got deposited in me. And then everything flowed out of it. Let's finish the scripture, though. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What he's saying is you got to be careful that your beliefs are based on the word of God. you got to be careful that what you believe about yourself, what you believe about the world around you, what you believe is based on the word of God because faith comes by hearing. And dear one, you got to be purposeful that you are hearing the word of God. That's why confession is so important. That's why when I, I confess over my grandchildren, when I confess over my own life tonight, Dave and I, I, I was moved by something one of, our, one of our sons said to me, and I was meditating on it all afternoon, and finally I was in drying my hair tonight, and the, the Lord says, take that. Go, go run with that. Speak some life into that thing. And I went over to Dave's office and I said, we're going to pray for Danny right now. And we're going to make some confessions over that boy. And we're going to take back what the enemy is trying to steal here. And we spoke them out loud into the atmosphere because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I had heard, I had heard a negative report from Danny, but I said to Dave, we're countering that with the truth of the word of God and we're going to speak it into the atmosphere. Some of you have been, you've had junk spoken over your life and you didn't believe it the first time, but it got pounded into you because the conscious mind hears it. The subconscious doesn't receive it until it's repeated over and over and over and then it gets downloaded into your subconscious and everything you do flows out of that. And you have got to deposit some new truth and pound some new truth into your life. That's why repetition is so important. One writer says, this is by large what the Bible refers to as the flesh, the old self, that's the subconscious, that makes us inclined to sin over and over again on autoplay. In order to be free, we need to crucify our, our ungodly subconscious patterns and bring them to nothing. So the subconscious mind is the heart 
The, the Hebrew word referring to the subconscious mind is heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is a man. In other words, you are whatever's in your subconscious. Whoever and whatever controls your heart, your subconscious mind, refers, uh, controls your life. So how do you get something into your subconscious, into your heart? By repeating, repeating, repeating in the conscious mind until the download happens in the subconscious. One of the things I have started for next week is what the Bible says, who the Bible says we are. Do you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You're a lender, not a borrower. He, he, you're God's, you've been chosen by him. He sees you as precious and valuable. You, you are his treasured possession. You are the apple of his eye. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. You have been forgiven. You've been redeemed. You've been set free. You are triumphed. You're, you're, you're more than a conqueror in him. He leads you in triumph. And, and it's all those things that he says about us. And we have got to learn to repeat that over and over in our conscious mind until our subconscious gets a deposit that wipes away the old tapes and puts in the new. How do you reprogram a computer? Don is back here. He's an IT guy. You rewrite. You rewrite it or you delete it. You rewrite over it. You put a new program to write over it. And, and some of us must be intentional because you've got that the lies that are, are working underneath the surface where you're not even aware of, and they're driving every decision you make. They're driving how you feel about yourself. They're driving what you think about yourself. You're, they're driving what you think others are thinking about you. Every action in your life is driven by that subconscious belief that got deposited in you, and we have to be intentional about rewriting it with the truth of what God says about us. Because you are a spirit, you possess a soul that needs renewed so that you can be transformed. I looked up the word subconscious, and it is of or concerning the part of the mind of which one is not fully aware, but which influences one's actions and feelings. It's stored information. It stores everything that ever happened to you. It, it, it stores what you perceive with your senses, even if what you've perceived is not truth. You meditate on it long enough, you deliberate with it long enough, you entertain it long enough, and it will be deposited into your subconscious and begin to rule your life. So our childhood memories will invariably comprise a substantial portion of our subconscious mind. And so while we choose to not consciously think about them, our subconscious mind never forgets our experiences. And so it's like the autopilot on an airplane. Uh, it's been pre-programmed to follow a specific route, and you can't deviate from it unless you change the directions programmed into it at first. That's why some of us are living, battling, and struggling with things that have dogged us for years, even though we're saved. We aren't conscious of it, but it's still running behind the scenes. And now that you're an adult, you think you can simply discard the hurtful, untrue messages you absorbed during your early life, but it's not that simple. Remember, 
All this information that's stored below your level of conscious awareness, the only time you become aware of it is when it starts to limit your progress. When it makes you miserable enough that you want to confront it. I have a, I have a friend who, who is dogged, absolutely dogged, by a spirit of abandonment, a spirit of rejection. And it has ruled her life most, uh, well, it has ruled her life her entire life. And, and, but it operates below the surface. So she would not have told you that she has a spirit of abandonment or, or that she fears rejection. But her behavior uh, gives it away. And so she approaches every relationship terrified that she's going to be rejected. So guess what happens? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because she's so afraid of being rejected, she starts rejecting people before they can reject her. Or she's looking for rejection in every situation she's in, and her defenses are high. And it's because, as a child, she was abandoned and rejected, and her subconscious mind, her senses, in her conscious mind, said, alert, 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 alert. And it got downloaded into her subconscious. And now, as an adult woman, she's not even aware that that message is, that program is running behind the scenes and yet is ruling and reigning everything she does and it's destroying her life. And you see, she got miserable enough dealing with it. And she came to me and said, Rhea, what is going on? And it was only that desperation that caused her to come to a place where she's willing to look at it, where she's willing to confront it, where she's sitting before the Lord and said, I don't care what it takes, just get it out of my life. Get it out of my life. I don't want this thing running my life anymore. And so do you see why the mind is the goal of the enemy? It's his battlefield. Do you understand that he has no power in your life, in my life. He's defeated. He has defeated. Do you understand it? It's the scripture that says someday we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see the enemy. Leslie, where is it? I, I ask you to write it down so I wouldn't forget it. We're going we're gonna to run into the end. We're going to see who the enemy really is and we're going to say, is that you? Is this the one who raised havoc in my life? Is this the one that did all of this junk in my You? That's you? That's what we're going to say, because he's a defeated foe. He has no power except what we give him, except what we surrender to him. And do you know where he works the most? Because, you see, the Bible says that before we came to Christ, our minds were darkened, and they were alienated from God. So he understands he controlled that mind one time. And he understands the importance of taking control. That was occupied territory by him. And when we came to Christ, a new resident came in to take up residency. But now the battle starts. He wants that territory back. And he has no power. So what does he do? He whispers. In your conscious mind. Look at this. They just rejected you. Do you know they rejected you? Do you know they don't like you? Oh, come on. You can look at it's not going to hurt anything. Look at that image. Look at that pornographic site. Nobody will know. They're going to hurt you again. Put up a wall. 
Go ahead and take a drink. It's not going to hurt. Come on. You can quit whenever you want. Never going to be good enough. Why do you even try? God doesn't love you. And he whispers. We've talked about this. The word devil is diabolos, one who comes alongside and throws. Diabolos. Balos is to throw, dia to come alongside. One who comes alongside throwing. What does he throw? He is the father of lies. Lies is his native language. What he throws is lies. He is the accuser of the brethren. He stands before God 24-7 accusing the brethren. He accuses accusations. That's what he does. It's the only language he knows. And if he can give it to you in your, your senses and your conscious mind and put it before you enough that you hear it, that you see it, that you receive it into your spirit, now guess what? Deposits right into your, your subconscious. And now that thing rules and reigns in your life. Do you see it? That's why it's so important that we mind our mind. Just because something comes through your mind does not make it truth. You can't stop the birds from flying overhead, but you can sure keep them from making a nest in your hair. We have responsibility. We have to mind our minds because the enemy whispers. It's a battle. And the battlefield is the mind. And we have to get smart about our enemy. And we can't let down. We have to constantly be minding our mind. The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind and that we need to, to watch our vain imagination. See, I can, I can have somebody, darling, tell me your name. Meg. Meg. I can have Meg look at me and I can have a vain imagination. I can say, oh, she mustn't like me. I think she doesn't like me. Did you see the way she looked at me? And I'm going to go home and I'm going to get in bed and I'm going to say, Meg looked at me funny tonight, and I think she doesn't like me, and I'm so worthless, and nobody likes me, and I don't want to go to that Bible study anymore because nobody likes me, and Meg is going to be there, and she's going to look at me wrong. Vain imaginations. Maybe Meg was just having a bad day. <laughs> but my vain imagination just went crazy. And because I didn't take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ, now it's led me down a path of feeding the lie. It gets deposited in my subconscious, and now that's going to rule my life. Take every thought captive. Leah, you know this. What does it mean? To take it by spear point. I'm going to lead that thing. I'm going to make it a prisoner of war in my mind, and I'm going to lead it right off a cliff. I'm going to say, you do not get to take any real estate up in my mind. But see, I'm responsible for that. We want to say, oh, Holy Spirit, we want to speak in tongue. We want people to prophesy over us. Oh, Lord God, we want to get on our knees. We want to raise our hands and work. No, we have got to take responsibility for what we're thinking on. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the enemy knows that. He can't keep you from speaking in tongue. He can't keep you from, from going for prayer. He can't keep you from being in church on Sunday morning. He can't keep you from Bible study, but you know what he can do? Deposit, deposit, deposit in her eyes, in her ears. 
the act and get her to, to take the bait, comes along and throws, and the rest of that, that definition, Diabolos, one who comes alongside throwing, trying to get penetration. Trying to get penetration. The first time I was told I was worthless, I didn't believe it. I could reject it. It was after he threw it over and over and over that he gained penetration. And it got deposited. This week I was working on my computer and I wanted this free book. <laughs> I didn't want to buy it. <laughs> Just going to be honest with you. And I found this website that said free PDFs of this book. And I'm like, score. That just saved me $15. And, and I had a feeling, but I ignored it. And I said, click. <laughs> and then my screen, this thing popped up that said, are you sure you want to download this? Because it could be a threat to your computer. And it was warning, warning, warning. And I was like, I had some choices. I could <laughs> allow. I could discard, I could quit. And I sat and I looked at that screen and I thought, I bet this is just a fake warning. <laughs> I don't think it really applies to this book. It's a Christian book. <laughs> Click! And then all of a sudden, all these windows started opening on my computer and I was like, oh! What am I going to do now? I think I've probably downloaded malware or some kind of virus on my computer. But you see what happened? Is I got the warning. But I wanted what I wanted, and I didn't want to think that warning applied to me. We have to mind our minds. And we see something, we hear something, we desire something, and rather than replacing it with the word of God, rather than living in obedience to the word of God, click on it. We approve it. We receive it, even though it comes with a warning. Then it gets downloaded into our life, and the viruses and the malware of the enemy come with it, and we give him place in our life to function from. It, it's so interesting. Uh, a friend of mine sent me a text out of nowhere this morning, and this is what she wrote. We have elaborate security systems in our homes and buildings. We have screeching alarms on our cars that can even trigger where to find our car in an overcrowded parking lot. We create several different passwords to protect our personal information on our iPhones, iPads, and computers fireproof safes and safety deposit boxes to protect our important papers. But what is our security system to protect our minds, Satan's battlefield? Scripture is our security system from the onslaught of Satan's attacks on our hearts, minds, and souls. So many souls on this earth and in our own families that don't know God or the full armor of God for the protection his word provides. She had no idea what I was teaching on tonight, and she sent me that. And, and so, remember, Paul says to us to, to keep in mind that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That's who our battle is against, and he wants to win this battle. 
Our minds were originally enemy territory. And, and so he wants to control the mind because he understands whoever controls the mind controls the man. And so he whispers. And so, so he comes at us with his lies. And that's what happened to the disciples on the road that day. When, when the thought entered their mind, the word says that a, of thoughts coming into the mind. And remember, it was referencing a supernatural angel that came onto the scene. Why would there not be a supernatural thought, a spiritual thought that's not from God that enter, comes onto the scene and it caused them to dispute? They started reasoning with it. They started deliberating over it. And before they knew it, th th there was such a ruckus in their life that Jesus turned around and said, what is going on here? See, that's what we do. Instead of taking that thought captive, we reason with it. Well, maybe I am a loser. Maybe I am, you know, worthless. Maybe I should look at that pornography site. Maybe I should numb this pain with alcohol. Maybe, it, it, maybe it's okay if I'm nasty to that person. And we start deliberating and, and reasoning with it. I was always rejected, so, so of course this person's going to reject me. And we start, we start deliberating and reasoning with that thing. And remember, the subconscious isn't about logic. What's stored there isn't about logic. It's just received. The logic happens on the conscious level where we get to kick that thought out and replace it with truth. And we have the responsibility we have a responsibility to do that. So in closing, let me just tell you. Well, actually, let me just ask if there are questions. I, I want to do that first because I've decided that th this is so much to absorb. And, and I prayed all day that I would be able to speak with effectiveness and with clarity. But what I realized, even, even Friday, right, Mari, I, I was so excited about what I had learned and where my mind was going, and I was trying to rattle it off to the people on Friday, but I felt like they were deer in headlights, like nobody was getting what I was saying because I knew what I was thinking, but I couldn't convey it to them in the way that the Lord was downloading it into me. And I'm mindful of that on Monday night. I understand that sitting under my teaching is like drinking out of a fire hydrant. I, I get that. I, I, I really do. But I, So I want to make sure that, that you understand the whole principle here. So if I've left you confused about anything, just, just raise your hand and just ask for further clarity because I would love that. Because I want, I want to win your soul. I want to win your soul. And if I'm going to do that, you have to be able to apprehend what I've just taught. So any questions about tonight? Yes. So the enemy can't possess you. Uh, she was asking about, uh, the, the, she said the devil can get into you. I, I don't believe that because I believe we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. He can't get into my spirit, man. I don't believe that the enemy can possess us. However, yeah, yeah. However, I believe that we can give place to the devil. The Bible says don't give place to the devil, to diabolos. And, and how that word place is a geographical location. It, it means an occasion to act. Don't give diabolos an occasion to act in your life. 
So when I do that is when I come into agreement. How can two walk together unless they agree? So the enemy wants me to agree with him about what he whispers, what, about what he lies. When I take that, when I agree with it, it gets deposited. So the goal is to not come into agreement with the enemy. So when he says, I'm worthless, I say, no, I'm accepted in the beloved and I'm dearly loved by God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am created in his image and in his likeness. And, and, and you see how I, I am not coming into agreement with him. But when I meditate on the lie, I empower the liar. Oh, absolutely. The, 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 the mind controlled by the spirit is a life. So the Holy Spirit, when that thought comes, the spirit man in me arises and wants to combat that, but I can yield to the spirit or I can yield to the flesh. And when I yield to the spirit, life comes. When I yield to the flesh, death comes. And we're so used to being controlled by the spirit, by the flesh. See, being controlled by the spirit is not always fun. That means I have to discipline myself. That means I might have to say no to ungodly behavior. That means I might have to apologize. It means I might have to say I forgive somebody. That's a mind controlled by the spirit. And that always brings life. But a mind controlled by the flesh and the lies of the enemy brings death. If we can take scripture and then flesh it out, how do I practically apply this to my life? Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that means a thought comes from my, uh, Dave and I teach our guys, uh, the, the guys we work, we work with men who have sexual addiction. So much of sexual addiction, and Dave, correct me if you think I'm wrong, so much of sexual addiction is any addiction, not just sexual addiction, is trauma. You, you understand the trauma, you understand the addiction. That's our, our, our motto. And, and so the first thing we do with our guys is usually to take them back to their childhood, take them back to the trauma in their childhood because it's that subconscious mind that's ruling their behavior. They're trying to numb pain. Uh, the core belief, for example, of a sex addict is that I'm worthless and if you really knew who I was, you, you would leave me, you wouldn't love me. And, and so that's the, the hum. That's the, the subconscious thought that's running their life. And so you wanna get them to, that, to look at that thought. And so we take them back and we do what we call a trauma egg, where, where we take them back to that original trauma and get them to confront that trauma and, and, and override it with truth. Do you see that? But we teach them this thing called the three-second rule. The three-second rule is you can think any thought for three seconds, but you got to take it captive within three seconds. So if they have an evil thought, a sinful thought come through their mind, or, or in our case here, you have an evil thought, a sinful thought, or a thought about somebody else, or a thought about yourself that is wrong, or evil, or wicked. You have three seconds, a thought that does not line up with the word of God. You have three seconds to grab it and take it captive and, and lead it off the cliff by spear point. Make it a prisoner of war and lead it off the cliff by spear point. You cannot have any place in my mind. And then quickly replace it. So Dave uses pink elephant and what? What's the other one? Pink, uh, uh, Dave, I use hamburger and hot dog. So I'll use that. So if I said to you, think about hamburger. Hamburger, hamburger, picture a hamburger with cheese and 
mayonnaise and ketchup and big roll and, and delicious quarter pounder, just hamburger, 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 hamburger. Picture it in your mind. Do you have it in your mind? And now I said, hot dog. Push out hamburger, think about hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. You know, the kind like in Chicago that has all the pickles and the onions. Hot dog, hot dog, hot dog. And, and you cannot, if I say hamburger, you have to push out hot dog to put hamburger back in. You, you can't think about both. You could maybe, well, Dave uses pink elephant. So if I say to you, don't think about a pink elephant, what's the first thing you're going to do? Pink elephant pops up in your mind. And, and, but we, so if I say, don't think that thought, it's the first thought you're going to think about. So we have to teach you to replace that thought with something else. So uh, one of the things we'll do with our guys is when a sexual thought or a sinful thought goes through their mind, we'll say to them, look at all the blue squares. Count all the blue squares in this room. And now they're busy. They're, they're busying their mind counting blue squares, and the sexual thought gets pushed out. Do you see? It's no different than you and I. When the enemy comes and says, you're worthless, nobody loves you, they're all going to reject you, and, and you just are meditating on that, instead of meditating on it, start replacing that thought. Push that thought out because it's not obedient to the word of God, doesn't line up with the truth of the word of God, and replace it with what God says about you. And start repeating that and meditating on that, confessing it in your life, because when you confess it out loud long enough, it's going to get deposited into your subconscious and it's going to override the lies that are running your life. Do you see it? So, Father... Bless, bless, bless my brothers and my sisters. Lord, I want more than anything in this world to know the secret things of God. Riches stored in secret places. And I pray in the weeks and the months to come, Lord God, that you would take us in deeper and that you would reveal the secret things of God to us. I believe there's so much that, that we think we know about the word, but we realize we don't know anything. And so, Father, teach us, instruct us in the ways of righteousness. I pray, Father, that we would be soul winners. <laughs> that we would not just win souls, but that we would win people for the gospel. Lord, we love you. And we give you praise and honor and glory. I pray that now as people leave, that the enemy would not be able to snatch this word from their minds, Lord, that it would produce a harvest, not 30, not 60, but a hundredfold in their life. In Jesus' name.